0: Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God, the Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed backward and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work.
1: Let's have a little quick uh, demonstration of how Jenga works. I mean, you, you may have played Jenga before. Who's played Jenga before? All right, show us the, the skills here. What do we do with Jenga? Good start. Yeah, come and stand. Just play, yeah. you got to pop, yeah, you got to. It's getting a bit shaky there, boys. Be careful. Okay, give him a hand. Well done. So, what's that got to do with today's sermon? You ask, well, maybe absolutely nothing. I just thought it'd be nice to involve the teenagers. Don't you think that's good? Yeah. (laughs) But we're looking at uh, the church. What is the church? We've been doing a series on the church. So, week one, if you'll remember, what is the church? We are the ecclesia of God called to do the business of heaven. And we looked at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 46. Week two, we looked at how the church does life and we said that we are the fierce and the friendly. That was Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 to 25. And so week three, what I want to look at is is why you need to be part of the church. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 to 16. Of course, the key point here is that we fall down without each other. You need the church to live out your calling in Christ. Who here ever wonders, what's my calling? You know, I'm a believer. Now what? Now what do I do? You know you're a new creation. You know that Jesus wants to make you like him. You know, the Lord wants to make us more like him. He wants us to be changed into his glorious image. But how? Do you ever say, how, Lord? I want to be like you, but I'm not seeing it happening. <laughs> how? You know, you see all the ways you're still kind of rather impatient with people. The ways you act selfishly or the ways you offend others or let others down. You, you still lack faith sometimes. Sometimes. You let disappointment get the better of you. You let negativity get the better of you. Sometimes your heart feels cold and distant towards Jesus. Sometimes you just get distracted. And you think, you know, I want to be more loving and giving and patient and kind. And I want to be good. Do you ever say that? Lord, I just, just want to be good. I want others to experience Jesus when I'm around. You know, Lord, I I want to radiate Jesus so much that that people are impacted by you when when I'm just near them. Do Do you ever kind of long for that? I want to be full of peace and grace and mercy. I want to experience increasing closeness and intimacy with my heavenly Father. I want to daily live out of adoration and reverence towards God. Is that you? Is that ever you? the key point in all of this today is that for all of that you need the church you need the church for all of those things you need the church to live out your calling in Christ because you can only grow to full maturity in Christ in the context of a church community and on the flip side of that our church for example CSE Culliman can only grow to full maturity when you are part of it did you know that? The calling to be like Christ is something that can only be achieved in the context of a community of believers. No one person can ever adequately reflect the image of God. God's too big, isn't he? God's too diverse. Uh, God is too complex, too amazing, too perfect to ever adequately be represented by, by you or you or you. It takes a church to be the body of Christ, doesn't it? You on your own can never fulfill that function. Only as part of a community of believers can you reflect the glorious image of the Son of God. And so, you know, we are a bit like a Jenga tower. One, one block, one of these blocks, will never make a tower, will it? And if you remove too many blocks, what happens? It collapses, the whole structure falls down. Each block is vital for the strength and the stability of every other block in that tower and for the tower as a whole. And Ephesians chapter 4 really spells this out to us. So uh, you can follow along in your your Bibles or on your phones or on the screen as we go along. Ephesians chapter 4 starting at verse 1. We're given two instructions. Here's the first instruction. Verse 1, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You have been given an identity, a life, a calling by Jesus. And this is telling us to live a life that is up to the high standard of the identity you have been given. Jesus declares, This is who you you are. You are a son you are a daughter. You are a holy member of a royal household. You are victorious over sin. You are the one who rules and reigns upon this earth. You, you, you set the course and direction of things in your home, in your workplace and community. And, and I have filled you with my spirit to bring influence and, and, and to bring change and to bring beauty into the places and the people you influence. Jesus says, this is who you are. Now go and live like it. Go and live like that. Who are you? Who are you? Who who does Jesus say you are? What does he speak over you? When you draw alone with with God, who does Jesus say you are? Go and, and live that. Rise to those standards. Be the person he's called you to be. Be the people he has called you to be. Sometimes we can overcomplicate our calling. You know, being called to high standards doesn't mean grand, showy, significant, out the front, influencing lots of people sort of stuff. It can actually be really quite, quite simple, our calling. If you have a look at verse 2, it explains our calling a bit. Verse 2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. How do we live a life worthy of our calling? Well, we're to be completely humble for a start. And that's something that could take you a lifetime to perfect, isn't it? Humility is one of those things that as soon as you think you've got it, you've probably just lost it. Be gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in a loving way. That word bearing, that's an that's a, um, interesting word. Bearing means to suffer, to endure patiently. We are to endure one another patiently with love. I tell you what, that in itself can be a tough calling. I see siblings looking at each other. <laughs> yep. It's a tough calling, isn't it? I mean, I'm still working on that one. A few others must be too. <laughs> the, the next question I have here is, have you got someone in your life right now that you are enduring patiently in love? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, have you ever had to do that in the context of church life? You know, there's someone in the church that you've got to bear with them. <laughs> patient love, have you ever experienced that in the context of church? I was speaking with someone this week, and they're not a believer, so no no one in this church, okay, and I was quite shocked to discover how lacking in humility, gentleness and patience this particular person actually was. Um, It was quite an encounter that I had with this person's ego uh, and their sense of self-importance and so for me, it, it proved to be a rather quick and immersive lesson in bearing with one another in love. Um, I needed to humble myself and apologise for an offence that uh, he took to something rather mundane that I had said to this person. I had to listen to them, I had to empathise with him, I, I needed to encourage him in the things that were important to him, even though part of me was tempted to think that maybe those things weren't quite so important as what he felt they were and it took a lot of active listening on my behalf a a lot of um, very careful words and the whole episode served to develop my own patience and my own humility and my own gentleness uh, even if this other person's appeared to be a little bit lacking in the in the whole dynamic I tell you what it was not easy it was not easy so our first instruction is to live a life worthy of our calling our second instruction verse 3 make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace do you know what unity is all about you'll have heard someone say before it's not about uniformity is it unity is not uniformity unity is actually about relationship it's about togetherness it's not about all thinking the same thing and acting the same way and doing the same things. There, there is diversity in churches. There is diversity in Christians. We don't expect someone else to practice their faith in an identical way to us. Or at least we shouldn't expect that because we're going to get disappointed, are we? And as we go onwards into, into this chapter 4, we'll see that there's a variety of gifts and skills that God has given the church and there's an emphasis on each member contributing something different, to the church so unity is not about sameness it's about harmony it's about relationship and it's about working together with a common identity and common belief have a think about some of the people in our church just stop now and have a think about the the variety of very different people we have in our church body can you think of someone who does life or who does faith a bit differently to you Shouldn't take too much thought to think about that because we're all pretty different, aren't we? Have you ever been tempted to judge them as wrong or lacking in their faith because they do A and you do B? Come on, if we're honest. Let's say, for example, I'm just going to use a silly example. Let's say, for example you think that red jelly beans are the only jelly bean that should ever be consumed because they're the only ones worth eating. All right. And You might have a bit of a go at the, the, the green ones and the white ones and the pink ones. They're acceptable, but red's the best. When it comes to the black or purple jelly beans, though, you think, you're like, no way should anyone eat those. They are evil. Stay away from black jelly beans. Who on earth would eat those? <laughs> Half the congregation. See, we're diverse. Who would prefer red jelly beans? Oh, so. See, see, diversity in the body. All right, so the red jelly bean people down here are thinking that the, ja- the black jelly bean people down there are evil because they eat black jelly beans. <laughs> All right? But but you prefer the red ones, you know, and, and, and more than just preferring... Um, Preferring them, you think that that anyone who actually buys black jelly beans, there is something wrong with their palate. I mean, there is something seriously wrong with their palate and they maybe need some prayer over their palate. (laughs) You know, I I think, you know, the the red jelly bean crew down here are thinking, we need to teach the black jelly bean people to like red jelly beans because clearly they've got it wrong. Clearly they're misguided and and they need a bit of discipleship in jelly bean eating. I don't know, I reckon maybe, maybe there's something wrong with the black jelly bean people, I don't know, is that what you think? I don't, know. No, I don't mind black jelly beans actually, they're not too bad. You know, but what if God actually had made like all of the jelly bean colours acceptable and it's actually okay depending on your tastes and personalities and preferences to, to eat either the red ones or the black ones and it doesn't really matter. that they're, they're jelly beans and they're provided by God to, and they're good and they're provided to be enjoyed. I haven't yet convinced our red jelly bean person down here, I don't know. Yeah. Come and I'll pray with you afterwards. We all come together as one harmonious, mutually supporting, mutually encouraging, mutually loving group of people who we all use our differences, our diversity to support and to encourage and to bless and to bring increase into each other's lives and increase into God's kingdom. And uh, it's the fact that you only like red jelly beans and the fact that you guys like the black ones that actually enables us to to live holistically um, uh, and to be effective in our community and in this church. That's what enables effective ministry to occur. Our individual differences are united together um, and, and, and they are united together in a really key and important way. What is it that unites us together despite our differences? So we're different, but something unites us together. Do you know what it is? Yeah, Jesus, or more specifically, it's the Holy Spirit present in each of us that unites us together on a level that's impossible in other human groups or communities. You think about the Rotary Club the Lions Club, the local sports club, the school, they will never be able to achieve unity on the level that a church can because it's the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that binds us together in unity. Do you remember that old song, Bind us together, Lord, bind us together in chords that cannot be broken? What a beautiful song that is. Maybe we should sing that afterwards. (laughs) A key word in all of this is keep. Have a look there. Keep. Keep the unity. Keep the unity. Unity is something we we already have because we already have the Holy Spirit. So we are like the Jenga Tower over here. One block, as I said, will never make a Jenga Tower. And if you remove too many blocks, the whole structure collapses. Each and every block is vital for the strength and the stability of every other block and the tower as a whole. However, just because we have peace and unity doesn't mean that we don't have to work at it. This, uh, this is an instruction here, and in the Greek it's an instruction that's in a sort of an ongoing present tense kind of command. So this isn't meant to be a one-time only instruction. It's not meant to be an occasional thing we focus on. It's supposed to be an ongoing, everyday need. Always and at all times, make every effort possible to maintain the unity that you have. For example, keeping a kitchen clean. Now, at the moment, our dishwasher is broken, I know, horror, horror, horror. Now, we're the the sort of family that when our dishwasher breaks, a state of emergency is declared. It's pretty grim and it's pretty serious. I think it's been about two weeks now and counting, and we can't get the part. Pray for us, please. (laughs) Uh, When the dishwasher's broken, you have to be extra diligent about staying on top of the dishes, don't you? Otherwise, your whole kitchen does descend into a natural disaster. Even though at the start of the day in the morning, your kitchen could be perfectly clean, aren't it? I mean, not a thing out of place. If you haven't been diligent about doing the washing up, by the end of the day, you're thinking about phoning the SES, okay? It's, It's pretty bad. So we need to be intently focused... and and eager and devoted at all times to keep our washing up done. If we relax, if we get a bit slack, disaster, chaos reigns. Now, in church life, our enemy loves to move in and see chaos reign in the place of unity, doesn't he? And it often doesn't take much. And what I want to say is we have wonderful unity right now. We have beautiful unity. We enjoy the bond of peace. There is great harmony and great stability in our church. But we must not become complacent. Be diligent. Be aware. Be on the watch for any challenges to this unity and peace. Act to keep the unity of the Spirit at all times. Don't leave it to fester and grow, otherwise it's going to look like our kitchen looks when we don't do our washing up. And strife and discord and disharmony will readily get out of hand and will cause disaster. The enemy likes to knock out our Jenga blocks. And usually it's the key blocks he likes to knock out, the ones that are going to cause the most instability and chaos to the structure, doesn't he? the ones that are going to cause the whole thing to tumble and fall. Always, at all times, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Do whatever you need to do to maintain unity and peace with each other. Do whatever you need to do to stop that Jenga tower falling over. And, you know, it takes a bit of careful thought And a bit of patience and a steady hand, doesn't it? To maintain unity in a church. No rash moves. Now to help us as a church reinforce our unity, we're reminded of this. Verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one god and one father of all who is over all and through all and in all what word jumps right out at you there one unity one the jenga there's one brand there's one block there's one tower there's one game the church there's one body there's one spirit there's one hope there's one lord one faith one baptism one god and one father These are the things that unite us, aren't they? So you know when we're tempted to judge each other, when we're tempted to see another person as lacking in some way, when we're tempted to be hurt or offended, when we're tempted to get angry or frustrated with each other, when we struggle to serve one another or love one another, this is what we need to remind ourselves of. Each of us are called to be part of one body. We each share in one spirit. We are both called to one hope. We worship the one Lord. We share in one faith, one baptism. We have the same Father who is over us and in us and over all. And we remind ourselves of what unites us. And when we do that, the things that threaten to uh, separate us, they lose their significance, don't they? So what I want to say to you is that when you have an issue with something to do in church life, maybe you're annoyed at something I've done or I've not done, maybe you're frustrated at someone else, maybe you feel left out, whatever it is, whatever it is, my advice to you is this. Grab hold of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 to 6, and read it out loud and let yourself hear the words and keep reading it until you are able to do whatever it takes to maintain unity and peace with your brothers and sisters. Even right now, you know, you could grab a pen or a highlighter, circle that verse, Ephesians 4, 4 to 6. Ephesians 4, 4 to 6. So our first instruction was to live a life worthy of your calling. Our second instruction was to make every effort to keep the bond of peace. Now Christ knows that to be able to do these things, to live up to our calling, to bear with one another in love, we need a bit of support, don't we? When Christ defeated death, when he disarmed our enemy and dissolved our sin, when he rose victorious as king of heaven and king of earth, he gave gifts to the church to support us, to grow us, to build us, to strengthen us. Verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The gifts he gave to the church come in the form of people. A church's greatest resource is its people. Did you know that? It's not its buildings. It's not its programs. It's not its profile in the community. Which is a bit of a relief, isn't it? Because we don't own a building. We don't have many programs. And I don't think half the town even knows we're here. (laughs) Our greatest resource is our people. Our greatest resource is you. Do you know that? Our greatest resource is you. Wow. You know, in the game of Jenga, you need the blocks. Not just the box, not just the rules. You need the blocks. And you guys, you're the blocks. When you're part of a church community you're able to receive from others. God has uniquely equipped members of the body to fulfill special and necessary functions. And without these people exercising these gifts, the church won't reach full maturity. You won't reach full maturity as a follower of Jesus. And so you need the church to be able to reach maturity and to live out your calling in church. Without the church, your faith will get a little bit shaky, just like our Jenga Tower. In there we have um, quite a few tradespeople, don't we? We have plumbers, we have builders, we have electricians, we have tilers. And each of these tradespeople perform a specific task and function in our town. Without them, it would be very difficult, wouldn't it, to build a house or to renovate a house? Because they're uniquely equipped with the skills, the experience, the, the equipment to provide this vital building service in our town and they enable houses to be built. For the body of Christ to be built up, to be made mature, to be made complete, to be made full, each one of us needs to receive training and equipping from prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, etc. This will enable you to be who Christ has called you to be. Did you know that when your Heavenly Father looks at you, He doesn't focus on your failings and your faults he looks at the Jesus version of you what a relief because you're a new creation aren't you the old is gone and the new has come and he looks at the Christ in you and he has he has a plan he has a blueprint for you and it's labeled fully mature perfect and complete It's the little bit of Christ version of you. And so as you receive from and submit to the ministry of God's builders in the church, this version of you slowly emerges. How beautiful. And you know, I celebrate when I see that happening because I do. I see that happening in people's lives in our church and it's magnificent I love seeing people grow in faith and maturity and starting to express their God-given calling and talents and to start to look and serve and think more and more like Jesus. It's beautiful. Here's a thing that's important not to miss. As you are trained and equipped by God's builders, you are then charged with the job of building up the church. This is an every believer thing it's not just the 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 prophets the apostles the evangelists the pastors who are responsible for building up the church and growing it to maturity they train people they provide some leadership a bit of specialized skill They, they carry something unique from God but they pour that into you so that you are then able to go about And do your business, which is to serve and minister to other believers and to see that the body of Christ is built up. This is your calling. So the key point, you need the church to live out your calling in Christ. You need the church to grow in your calling, to be trained in your calling and then to go and express your calling. And I want to encourage you, I see this happening amongst us. I, 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 people get it. I know you get this. I know you are eager and keen to, to minister to each other, to volunteer, to serve, to use your gifts, to use what you've received from God and to pour it into others so that our church functions and grows and matures, so that it loves and serves and is built up. And I want to say, keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. Because here's the result. Here's what I see happening. Verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The tower grows tall and complete as each block sits in just the right place. The tower is held together by the blocks and and each of the blocks support all of the other blocks as each part of the blocks and towers does their work. We the church grow to be just like Jesus. You know, we often think that being like Jesus is an individual thing. I become like Christ, you become like Christ. But it's not, it's a we thing. We together become Christ-like. We together become the living expression of Jesus Christ. We're like a, a baby that, that grows and, and matures and starts to look a bit like his elder brother or elder sister. And as we, the church, uh, uh, know, um, move away from infancy, infancy uh, we, we grow and we mature and we start to look and sound and act more and more like Jesus Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. I think one of the, one of the signs of an immature church and an immature believer is that they're constantly changing focus and direction, you know, new programs. Jumping on board with every new spiritual trend that kind of comes along, every new spiritual trick. And there's a lot of them that come and go, isn't there? A lot of trends and fads. Um, whether it's a new celebrity teacher or an exciting new supernatural thing that's happening, um, they, they they chase after it. And believers and churches like this are quite unstable and unpredictable places to belong. It'd be like someone playing Jenga who who plays quickly and carelessly and they keep shifting and moving all the blocks without much thought for the impact of what they're doing and where they're putting the blocks. And they're just going after a bigger and bigger tower, but they're just building a shakier, shakier tower that will collapse. I think some people for whatever reason, seem particularly vulnerable to new, uh, to, to teachings and doctrines that sort of say, you know, to be mature you have to have this special, new, secret, amazing uh, revelation or insight and, and you have to have this new, different way of experiencing God or, or this new way of praying or this different way of ministering. You know, they, they say to be mature, you have to go deeper into the hidden things of God and into sort of secret knowledge. And, and I think even with, with really legitimate theologies and Bible knowledge, the Christian who is who's really obsessively sidetracked with some of these boutique doctrines, um, and by boutique doctrines, I mean, you know, those quirky little sideline doctrines that that, that the majority of the Christian church really don't get all that into... But, but some people seem to get incredibly fixated on them. Um, I think in doing so, um, they, they perhaps think that they're being mature. But often they just demonstrate immaturity as they, they miss the grand simplicity of what a mature Christian and a mature church really looks like. Because a mature church will be one that is growing and built on love. Which, with each part of that church contributing their own unique ministry to the body. So let me say that again. A mature church will be one that is growing in and is built upon love, with each part of that church contributing their own unique ministry to that body. Verse 16. From him the whole body, joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work maturity is not a complex thing it's not complex but it is costly it is costly i think that's what makes it hard and if you're wondering what we mean by this you know as each part does its work what do we mean by this work or works of service I think it could be almost anything, but I think it will be practical and I think it will cost you and I think it will probably humble you in some way. The word here that's translated as ministry or service, it means to render assistance or help by performing certain duties, often of a humble or menial nature, to serve, to render service, to help. We can be tempted to think of ministry as this grand, exciting, glorious thing. I'm doing ministry. But I think ministry that is the most effective and the most beneficial is often quite simple, humbling work that involves a lot of self-sacrifice. Because isn't that what Jesus' ministry was? It wasn't grand, wasn't glorious and involved a lot of hard work and a lot of self-sacrifice. So just to wrap up, the key point, you need the church to live out your calling in Christ. The church will grow you to be like Jesus and you'll grow others to be like Jesus. Together with one another, we become the living expression of Jesus Christ. Here are some take-home thoughts. As I said earlier, guard against division and disunity. And do you know where division and disunity always starts? It starts in our hearts. It starts in our thoughts. Catch those thoughts or attitudes of disunity early deal with them before they spread to your actions or before they spread to others right now we are a really awesome solid Jenga tower aren't we hey it's fantastic but our enemy is clever he knows which block he can knock out to make the whole structure fall over causes to become unstable Unity is the responsibility of every single one of us. Second take home thought, see others as integral to your calling. Look for opportunities to build up others and to be built up by them in return. Find someone that you can invest into. Find someone who will invest into you. Mentor and disciple someone. Go and, go and find someone and, and ask them and say, hey, you know what? I, I want you to mentor me. You, you know, I can see that you're someone who can bring some accountability in my life and to challenge me and, and I, I want to be mentored by you. Be bold. Go up and ask someone to do that for you. Allow them to challenge your faith. Allow them to journey with you. You know, a year from now, you'll be incredibly thankful you did that. I know, I know you will, because we all need accountability. And then be open yourself to investing into other people. Be open to getting alongside someone regularly and sharing a word of encouragement with them, praying with them, reading a scripture with them, having a coffee with them. Think about someone that you can just encourage on in their faith in some way. I mean, do you do, do, do we have people we are investing into or receiving from? Do you have that already? Or is that something you need to go after? Have a think. And hey, if you need to talk through some of that and want to bounce a few ideas off me. Come and see me and I can I can help, you know, link you up with someone or give you a few ideas. Okay. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that unites us together and binds us together as one. We thank you for this church that you are growing and that you are maturing. We thank you that as we we come together and serve and minister uh, amongst one another, we thank you that you are maturing us into the image of your son. We thank you that we are growing in, in love and peace and kindness and patience and mercy and good deeds. We thank you that we are growing in love with you. We thank you that we are seeing your kingdom grow and expand through the ministry of this church. We just pray that we would be uh, a people who are wise to, um, to any sign of disunity that might threaten, uh, threaten the stability of this church. And we thank you that, that we will um, act quickly to sort that out. Father, may we be a people who are humble. May we be a people who are quick to serve others who have a heart and a desire to just build up other people, to encourage them, to bless them, to strengthen them, to care for them. I just pray your blessing, Lord God Almighty, upon this church. We thank you for our calling, and may we just be faithful to that calling. We thank you for every every gift, every gifted person you have um, sown into this body. And may, we, may you just use each and every one of us, uh, to our to, to full use. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.